Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Tom Davis here, the host of the No Bad Dogs podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining, as always. And I know I say that every podcast, and I know you probably hear it and a bunch of other stuff that I do and a lot of other people, but I, I really do sincerely appreciate you guys listening to what I have to say, and, and I really, from the bottom of my heart, hope that it helps. Um, that's all I really want to do in life is to help dogs. And we got a great podcast for you today. This is, again, one of those things, guys, that, like, it's 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 the whole intact dog thing hitting that maturity, and so I'm actually gonna if if anybody out there is listening to this knows a I've talked to a couple of different veterinarians about this in particular. Doctor Diana or uh, Rihanna Rice was on here talking about it, kind of breeding more specific. But this is one of those things again, guys. It's hey my. One-year-old male dog is starting to become aggressive, and my next question is, is are they intact? And they say, yep, they are. And so it's definitely becoming a thing, and as you guys know, I'm, I'm a big believer in what's in front of me and not what's written down on books, and this is something that people are dealing with reality-wise every single time that I talk to them. So it's something something's going on out there. But um, this is another just great insight for me to know how impactful some of this stuff is that we're doing. I mean, this is a person that said she's watched my videos and other people's videos and it's changed her husband. It's changed her percep- perception. It's changed everything and how she's worked with the dog. And, and again, it's like when I put this stuff out, guys, I don't, I don't, I don't know the, the whole thing, you know, it's like, I, I'm just trying to help. And if I can help one person, I'm just super happy. So this is a great podcast dealing with a lot of different things, talking about intact, not being intact, what to do with a dog that's aggressive, how to find the right trainer, um, do's and don'ts of all that stuff. We also start talking a little bit about something that I have never announced yet. You guys are the first to hear me talk about it. And um, if I don't cut it out of the podcast, you'll hear it at the end, start talking about a tour. So we're, we're trying possibly to work out a U.S. tour in the fall. I've been talking a lot about, um, I've been working and thinking, how am I going to get around without, you know, we talked about, we, we my, me and my team are working out the flying details and it's just, it's just really difficult logistically to do what I do because I'm not going to be going and putting on um, shows at, at venues. Not yet, anyway. So we, you may hear us talk a little bit about this. Um, so if you do, um, again, you know, make sure you guys subscribe to all my social medias. I'll, I'll announce it here. But we are trying, I'm not going to promise anything, but we're desperately trying to get a U.S. tour booked. So anyway... All right, I hope you guys like this video, and as always, if you guys listen to the end, I'm going to be answering your dog training questions. If you guys want me to answer your specific questions, all you guys have to do, of course, is go to the iTunes review chart, leave your review, and in the review, you have an opportunity to answer your questions or ask your questions. If you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid favor and review this. Yeah, support the No Bad Dog movement by just leaving a review. It's free. Uh, and I would appreciate that. All right, you guys, let's get into the podcast. What do we got going okay. on? I have a uh, a year old um, uh, old English bulldog, and he is from a working line. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, he's he's um, 
he's got me stumped. Um, I've, I've always had like, um, uh, bully breeds, dog day Bordeaux. I've never had a problem, um, that I couldn't fix anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, he is, uh, uh, he had some surgery. Um, uh, he had knee, a knee problem and an elbow problem. Um, and so we had surgery and of course that was during his, um, I guess the, the second fear period. Um, he's, he's just started, um, lunging at everybody. And, um, uh, and that includes my son, um, who lives in the house and has, you know, he's grown up with, uh, obviously not grown up cause he's only a year, but, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I've never had a people aggressive dog. Okay. Um, so, so you have a, a one-year-old old English bulldog. Uh, yeah. Is he fixed? Uh, no. So that was mm-hmm. one of my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, because he had the surgery, um, and it caused all this, all these issues. I was, I was afraid for the staff to be trying to take him back in there to to get neutered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean. What what okay. do you think that's going to make a big difference? Because I mean, if it's fear aggression, is that because I mean all these stupid reports that people yep. are you know yep. are coming out with is you know fear aggression don't don't neuter them it makes it worse blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I can tell you that um, in most of my job is collecting data and uh, seeing what seeing what works for for most of people but also seeing what doesn't work for most people and uh-huh. i can tell you every single dog that gets described to me the way that you just described to me what's going on is intact every single okay. one of them okay so that's how i knew he was he, he wasn't fixed because it always starts out with well i got a dog he's in between 8 months to 14 months and all of a sudden he starts to be aggressive. I see this literally every single week, so there is something to it for sure. Now, if you get okay. him, if you get him fixed tomorrow, I don't think that's going to change anything because a lot of his hormones are already set. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I and I don't, and that's the hard thing for me is I don't know why this happens necessarily. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't say for sure that that's exactly what it is, but I can tell you, again, if if I were to do the study. Out of everybody that I work with every day, mm-hmm. this is like clockwork. That's why I. It's funny because we go through these, uh, you know, on social media, whether it's my podcast or my YouTube channel or whatever. We go through this forum of, "Hey Tom, I got this dog, and about a year old," and I'm like, "Yep, he's intact." It happens like clockwork. So uh, right now, is he is he actually biting people or is he just no. kind of okay being reactive? He, he has- we we have yeah we haven't allowed him to to get to that point. Um, we did take him to um, a trainer um, that happened to be in my area, um, and all I looked up was aggressive bulldog, and you don't you just nothing came up. Um, but I mean he's old English, so he's he's different than a, a, you know most bulldogs. He's not a he's not a little squatty thing that can't breathe and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, um, took him to, to this guy um, because, I mean, he looked like he knew what he was doing. And, um, and he does, I believe, to a degree. Um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't 
stop things though. He, he wanted, um, so we went for a consultation and, um, my husband and I and, and the dog. And so we were sitting there, um, and he was late and, uh, of course, you know, all the dog sounds, all the barking and all that stuff going on, um, just made him more hyper. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did, he, he went to sleep. He was shaking so bad and, and he just, he went to sleep. But as soon as that guy opened the, the door, oh my God, he was up, he was ready to, to rumble. And, um, um, he just, he didn't look at him. He came over and sat down in the, in the chair and was asking us questions. And I mean, Capone continued to growl and stuff. And he finally, um, uh, finally settled down and he, and he went back to sleep. And then, um, so we thought that the thing was over, um, you know, board and train, blah, blah, blah. But, um, um, so you did a, goes, you did a board and, you did a board and train with him? No, we didn't do a board and train because the guy stood up and he goes, I'm going to do something crazy. Just, just let the leash go. Mm-hmm. And he let, we let the leash go and he, he woke up and popped up immediately and went on and he had a, uh, a muzzle on, uh, a Baskerville and, um, he just started, I mean, muzzle punch, muzzle punch, muzzle punch. I mean, he did that for, and the guy never took his hands out of his pocket. And I mean, he just continued and he grabbed his leg and he was, you know, it was just, it was <laughs> intense. Um, and he had, you know, had him, uh, uh just kind of walk around and, and stuff like he took the leash and, and kind of walked around and stuff, but he still continued to muzzle punch 45 minutes. He muzzle punched him. Mm. And I just felt like he didn't do anything to correct him though. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of didn't set right for, for me. And then plus the place kind of, um, it definitely leaked. I'm freezing right now, so I'm sorry if I'm, I'm my voice is all shaky. Um, but uh, uh, so the place, I mean, I thought the guy might be able to help me, but um, I just the the smell of the place and everything. I was like, no. And and so anyway, um, I did bring him back for a second, um, a second time to try to uh, see if he would be different with us away from him. Yeah. Um, and he, he continued to muzzle punch him, but not um, not like he did the first time. Mm. Uh, and he was outside, and we were inside. Or I was inside, I could say. And he was walking. Um, and he would, like, muzzle punch him behind his leg. or you know, I mean, he's just not having it. Got it. Okay. So... So right um, now, yeah. you're, obviously, your biggest concern is, is with Capone going after other people. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's a total liability right now. Okay. So, yeah, and you've you've worked with the trainer and <clears throat> that kind of flopped on you. What what type of a let me ask you this, what type of training have you done with him and what type of equipment uh are are you using with him when you're out with such a big, powerful, um pushy, potentially dog, aggressive yeah. dog, yeah. Um okay, so uh, uh we got him at 11 weeks first of all. So I didn't get that first 4 weeks of or three weeks, I guess. Yeah. Of of um, initial thing, but um, uh, I did a lot of. Uh, I don't know. If, um, do you know uh, 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 Stony Dennis? Yep. I, I don't know him. I I've, I've seen him. Well, on... you know what I'm. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, that's right. Yep. Okay, so I started doing a lot of that because we're very active and we we mountain bike, we hike, we. Tr- 
kayak. We, you know, we do lots of stuff, and we've never been able to take our dogs with us because Dog Day Bordeaux is huge, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's just it, we've just never been able to do that. And so that's why we thought, oh, you know, uh, let's get this athletic dog, and you know, have them come with us. But anyway, so um, I started doing. Uh, uh, following Stoney and, and doing all his, you know, the proprioception stuff, which worked out great. The dog loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then he got, he got hurt. And I don't know, um, the, the surgeon said it was genetic, but of course the breeder is like, no, I've never had this in my, any of my dogs. And mm-hmm. it's, you're not feeding them the right food and this and that. And it's like, yeah, I've, I've had giant breeds. <laughs> it's like, I know what I'm doing. But anyway, um, so then he was in, in pain starting about, you know, five and a half months and they told me it was Pano. Um, and so we were waiting and waiting and so did you do, yeah. Did you do any, are you training with him or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yes. So, um, I started with, um, slip leash, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, you know, when, once he got a little bit bigger, that was, it was, it was, uh, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to try to, uh, you know, move him around. And then we, while he was hurt though, we, I pretty much kind of stopped because he was, he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we went to, uh, after seeing the trainer guy, we went to the gentle leader cause that's what, what he wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we were doing that and we've had some success with that. Um, but once he starts pulling, um, you know, it's, I mean, he's, he's low to the ground. He's strong. Um, yeah. and, and plus my husband, I will tell you, my husband undoes, he undoes everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I finally showed him enough of your videos that giant schnauzer one that you posted yesterday. Yeah. That finally clicked with him. Oh, good. Um, so he's finally starting to, you know, listen. Um, and so I have moved to the prong. Um, prong doesn't work as well with, with, uh, cause he has a lot of, um, skin food around his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem to work as well. And, and previously I, I never actually knew how to use it. And, you know, I've, I've been binge watching your, your, um, YouTube videos and, um, I, I, you know, figured out how to use it and it is working a lot better. It works with the female really well. Because she doesn't have all the skin folds that he does, but um, but anyway, so um, uh, so we've been using that, and um, I had already started, you know, trying to do place and and sit and wait at the door and mm-hmm. um, you know, all that stuff, um, you know, and and wait for the food bowl to be sat down and things like that. Um, so it wasn't that we weren't, or that I wasn't um, training at all. It's just that. I was apparent. I wasn't being, and after again watching your videos, um, I wasn't being uh, specific enough or clear enough. Yeah. Um, and and now you know I'm I'm much more clear and and fun. I'm much more fun because you know it's less stressful. <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah, that makes sense. So you so yeah. right so right now you're you're using just a gentle leader. No, prong. Okay, you are using the prong. Okay. I thought you yeah. said that you didn't use the prong because of his skin. Okay. Well, no. So Yeah, previously I haven't, and, and then I figured out how to use it watching your video, so. 
Okay. So with, with his obedience and stuff, I know that you, it sounds like you're doing some stuff inside, some impulse control, uh, some threshold stuff, which is nice. When you go outside with him, is he, is he doing anything outside? Um, that, that is, is he, is he transferring this stuff outside? Is he doing well outside? Okay. Yes. Um, and, um, so we live on two and a half acres and we're, we're, um, and I have horses and things like that. Mm -hmm. We're on the corner. Um, and a lot of my neighbors walk their dogs. Mm -hmm. And so we're on the corner and, and my dogs are like at the fence barking all the time. And I decided when we moved into here that I wanted to have ranch dogs because that's what you have when you live on a ranch Mm -hmm. and they're not very good mentors. Um, they, they bark their heads off and they don't stop. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying so yesterday, um, people were walking by and I had him, I, I was doing, you know, um, work with him and he was already on leash and everything. And we were inside of, of my yard and the dogs were walking by and I just walked, you know, towards over there and, and, you know, just did the, you know, heel, heel, that kind of, you know, you know, your little, uh, tune up thing. That's mm-hmm. what you call it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, um, trying to keep him from turning his head uh or i shouldn't say head his whole body towards where the dogs were uh, walking by um you know it, it was a little difficult but that was our first time um so i'm hoping to be able to do that um on a daily basis to try and get him to where he's not you know so reactive um uh, we did sign up for for um uh, another training package with a different um, trainer, uh, Dog Training Elite. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, but but they use the dog trails and they use, you know, uh, so I looked up um, uh, balanced dog training <laughs> and, and, and they came up. Um, they don't use treats at all. Um, so uh, while we're training with them, Um, we won't do that, but, um, so they come to the house, um, for, for eight sessions and then, um, and then you go to the park with, with other people at your, you know, as you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, anyway, so, um, we, we're supposed to start that today. Um, but the little girl popped out of the car and I thought, oh my God, there's okay. no way you're going to be able to handle my dog. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it sounds to me that, uh, what, what you really need to do is, uh, because this is a bigger dog that is intact uh, and he's, he's, he's going to keep getting stronger and faster and more probably reactive to, to things that's going on. I think you should really, uh, I think the best thing you should do is, is to do what you're doing is going down the route to find a trainer that is suitable for you. Uh-huh. Because right now, just in most of my job is to uh, talk to humans about what's going on with their dogs, obviously. Right. So right. judging by the conversation that we're having currently is right now you are on the offense of finding somebody to help, which is, I think, what you should be doing because of how much dog this is. Uh-huh. So my advice is is to find that trainer that you're toggling through right now you're kind of shifting through who's going to fit best and who's going to work for you and that's that's what my suggestion is to you because you're already using 
this is your second dog training company and then maybe there'll be a third or possibly even a fourth and that's not uncommon at all when you're dealing with behavioral issues because there's not too many people in the country that are successful with with giving you the results that you need to be successful so Mm -hmm. I, i would suggest to continue on the route that you're on to find that dog trainer that's going to help you in person. Uh, until then, <clears throat> I think just understanding that this is a dog that obviously needs more of what he's getting. And I, and, and it sounds like you're doing some outside work with him and stuff. I think the trajectory of what you should be doing is really tuning up the basic skills on the leash, like that Schnauzer video that I posted yesterday. Perfect, uh-huh. perfect, perfect example. We have a dog that is bred to be a protective guardian dog living on, I think, 10 acres, never been on a leash, and it's going after the other dog. So when they came in, I didn't, I don't, it's the same thing kind of what you're dealing with is if your dog comes in with this reactive possession, aggression, whatever it is, I don't work on that because that is likely caused by a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. It's a very mechanical thing. It's the same thing with the human body or maybe even a vehicle or a, a vacuum. If there's something not working right, it's probably because of something else attached to this system. And mm-hmm. right now, because he's starting to, it's it's kind of consistent that he's spiraling out of control to react to people he doesn't know. So that's going to probably stay consistent until you can lock in exactly the things that you need to be things that you need to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me that you're on the right path because like I said, I mean, this, this, this conversation is, a, is exactly that it's a, it's a consult of, of what you should or shouldn't be doing um, moving forward to be successful. And it sounds because you, it sounds like you're interviewing and you're cycling through different dog trainers that are going to help. So I don't, I don't think it would be as beneficial for me to get into too much detail of how to do it on your own at home because somebody else is about to unravel that, that you're paying way more money for. So, but again, like my perspective of this is having one of these bigger, mm, confident, pushier dogs that's intact around the one year age. They just typically the way that I see it is, is the dogs will either feel like they can get away with anything they want. So they do it. Sometimes because the lack of control throughout their life or the lack of leadership throughout their life, they can spiral and start to be protective and basically go after everybody that approaches you or anybody else in your family that he cares about. Mm -hmm. So if he sees another dog walking, he'll be reactive. If you bring him to the vet, he'll be reactive. Uh, Things like this. So whenever you go places, he's going to react to the general public or to other dogs Anybody Mm -hmm. other than the people he knows. And like I said before, sometimes that's a foundation of not really knowing who's in charge and then him, Mm -hmm. him taking initiative to be the air quotes leader of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the proper handling to handle the situation when it happens, it's only going to make things worse. So if somebody approaches you guys and then he says, hey, I'm going to handle this. And then you don't make the right call. Mm-hmm. That's when he's going to say, boom, that's his ticket. That's what he needs to do until further notice. I see a lot right. of this with Connie Corso's Rottweilers. Um, some of these really, you know, same thing with what you're dealing with, with the old English. Some of these really bigger, 
you know, protective uh, dogs and they can be pretty explosive. And I, and I think that if you don't get it under wraps fairly quickly, this is where people end up. Right. Well, and that's, that's why, you know, even he was, he was, uh, uh, the first time we went to the trainer, he was only six weeks out of, out of surgery. Mm. And, you know, the surgeon's like, you got to wait at least eight weeks and, you know, it'd be better at six months. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be dead by then. Mm. It's like, no, I, we, we can't do that. Um, but so here's my question, um, mm-hmm. right now, um, how do I get him? So they, they've given me, um, sedation drugs and things like that to give to him before, um, cause he was scheduled to be neutered on the 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I canceled it because again, because of all the, 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 reports and everything um about you know making it worse i didn't want to make it worse mm. um so um how do i protect the staff if i'm not there i mean i can't you know because well, they're gonna have to wake him up yeah that's their job they deal with this all the time so i i i would just be responsible and i know that you are you would just say hey he he has a stranger danger issue and uh-huh. they will likely uh, bring him. I, I don't know for sure, but I've seen this happen. I've had dogs. Uh, I've I, I've had dogs that um, are. I, I've had like police dogs that I've had to bring into the vets, and they are not friendly to other people, uh-huh. and they will hurt you if you let them. And they are explosive. And so what we've done in the past is basically the vet. Um, I can hold the dog. The vet gives the dog the sedation with the dog on the muzzle. And then once the dog is sedated, even though they will ch- still try to go after that individual, which is interesting because they can't really walk. Uh, they bring the dog yeah. in the dog. And then once the dog is pretty sedated, then they'll sedate them even more and then they'll take the muzzle off and then they'll use whatever anesthesia or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a vet. Whatever they do to yeah. put the dog under, they'll do their right. surgery. They might even put the Baskerville back on because the dog can breathe through that. They'll put them in the kennel. The dog will wake up. They'll grab the dog. They'll bring him out. So that's their. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's their job. So I, I understand the. I, I'm the same way when I bring a dog in, and I've had. I have vets that I work with very closely. I also have vets that um, it, they're very frustrating because they don't understand dog behavior or that they, they don't respect it because they're in a. It just depends. I mean, it's like every other service out there. It de- every McDonald's is different. Every veterinarian is different. Every car that you drive is di- I mean, everything is different. But right. I think all you have to do is just let them know the type of dog he is, and that's their job. They'll handle it. They've probably dealt with 100 different dogs like him that month. But if you're going to a small-town vet that has four or five clients a day instead of 150 right. like some of the bigger vets – you might have to take some extra precautions. And I've brought dogs in to vet clinics where the vet is hiding in the room behind their clipboard, shaking. And they're yeah, like, I can't. That was the surgeon. Sure. He runs at him one time and, and he wouldn't, he would like talk to me at the door. Mm-hmm. They're out. And, and yeah, and, and they're, you know, vets are not behavior. They don't do behavior. They didn't go to school for behavior. They didn't sign up for behavior. They are science yeah. and medicine. So when you get, and that's the thing, it's like I said, I have friends that are vets. I have, I've had vets on the podcast. I've, I've had these conversations with people is if you get an, an aggressive behavioral case, this kind of throws up their schedule. They're used to dealing with cute little puppies and kittens and rabbits and these little small cute things. And when they get a dog that's trying to actively hurt them, they would rather not. They would rather not. And they'll let you 
very clearly know that they are uncomfortable in hopes of you maybe going somewhere else. I've also seen right. some vets say, here, hold my beer. Let me show you how to do this. And so, so that's just been my experience. So I, mm-hmm. like I said before, is you just have to be open and honest. And there might, be, there might come some time throughout the process if they're not – I mean, you can just ask them, hey, if you guys aren't comfortable with this, I'll try to find somebody else. And you might have to yeah. drive somewhere else. But there's there are certain vets – it's so – it's like training, Right. I've seen, if I'm like, hey, let me have the leash. I've seen people's eyes like bulge out of their head like the last time this happened. And I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a different human. So let me just, let me, let me do my thing. And then things are right. different. So I, I've even seen it personally, how contrasted it is from other professionals in the field. And then, you know, professionals who are very comfortable with doing stuff like that. So it's very, I think it's very um, normal and very um, human of you to be, you know, worried about it. But like I said, as long as you're like, Hey, he can be a bit reactive. He can be a bit aggressive and they give you some sedation pills before you go in. He's going to be kind of tipsy turvy. When you go in, he's got the muzzle on, they'll come out and do what they need to do. I mean, and if they're experienced with it, they'll come out and maybe they'll have a catch pole on hand. If he does get weird, they take the catch pole. They can give him the meds. He gets knocked out. They do their surgery. They put the muzzle back on so he can breathe. They put him in the kennel. They catch pull him back out and then you take him. I mean, I've done that a bazillion times with dogs that have come into our board and train program that uh, maybe uh, aren't really great with everybody. Um, I have to teach people how to handle these dogs under these circumstances because I don't necessarily want to get out of bed at 11 o'clock to go help somebody let a dog out. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, right. I have to train people how to do it as well. It's not um, it's not the funnest thing to do, but, you know, if you if you do it right, it's it's – it can be pretty easy. And so have you, so if you have a dog like that, cause I mean, we're, we're looking at 12 to 14 years of this and, uh-huh. and I'm just, I mean, this is not, this is not what I signed up for this. You know, I, I told the breeder I'm looking for, you know, mm-hmm. I want to, I want a, a fun loving a pet. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, but, but what the breeder say, well, he, he, he said, you know, well, you are getting a pet. He didn't tell me that this, because, I mean, he's had um, ectopic uh, ureters. He, he has um, uh, ectropin. So he's not, like, th- this guy, has, he, he breeds very nice dogs, which is, I mean, because I did my research. Um, he breeds very nice dogs, but I didn't get one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I got one that didn't have all the, all the stuff. Yeah. Did you, did they, yeah, I understand it happens. It's, it's a crap yeah. shoot. It's and, a crap and, shoot. And I understand that. Yeah. And, and I didn't feed, he, he wanted me to feed puppy chow for the first year, it made me sign a contract. And I knew I wasn't going to feed that because it's crap. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I signed it cause I, I wanted it. He looked like a, a dog day Bordeaux, only smaller. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm in love. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, and so it that that's always something that I I recommend too is is to contact your breeder because if they're and like I said you know it, it's a it's a hit or miss it's it's definitely difficult to to you I mean if you get a if you get a purebred dog it is um you know okay so the conversation of breeding dogs versus adopting dogs and stuff like that like listen I have a 18 year old 
dog that I got off the PetSmart floor at a SPCA concert or SPCA adoption clinic, and it was, she's the best dog I've ever had. She'll probably be the best dog I'll yeah. have forever. Yeah, she's, my $50 dog was the best dog exactly. I've ever had. <laughs> but if you do, and here's the thing is I, I support buying a well-bred dog because I understand that people, so there, there's there's kind of two different uh, parties in the dog world. You know, there's the people who just love animals to the absolute infinity and beyond, but Buzz Lightyear type stuff, but they but they don't understand some of the more complicated working environments that dogs need to be bred for to make sure that this seventy to eighty thousand dollar dog doesn't bite a person doing TSA searches or isn't uh, sitting in a hangar uh, in Afghanistan and, and bites the wrong person, things like that. I mean, dogs right. that are bred like the dog that you got, also you can say, hey, I know what I'm getting. And I don't have to worry about this dog developing hip dysplasia at 12 months and I have to put this dog down and spend a fortune doing it and it's the saddest thing ever. If you get a dog that has hips and elbows checked and they check out and you the, the breeder will guarantee them, those are, that's kind of you get what you pay for. Now, I, I don't really fall for the the pup obviously the puppy mill stuff but other than you know if you if you're not getting a dog specifically for work or you're not getting a dog that you absolutely need to to get for for your environment i always suggest just going to the shelter and getting a dog because yeah and they're, that's what they're I've the done. best yeah that's what i've done many many times <laughs> good so the so the so the my point is sidetrack my point is is the breeder is always a, a good first bounce back to say hey i haven't seen this because if if they're a reputable breeder they'll tell you if they've ever seen any of this behavior in their lines and yeah. you know and sometimes they'll even help you train or they'll find the right trainer for you so what i would suggest is again uh, um I, I think you're you're doing all of the right things it's just right now, as far as the sustainability, to kind of bring up the question that you were asking of this dog's going to live for the next 10 plus years, it, it's hard for me to say exactly what's going on. If it's neurological and it's like this almost retardation of I'm going to be aggressive and this is how I'm going to be forever, then that's a conversation you'll have to have with the trainer that's going to send you home with the skill sets to be sustainably successful. Right. But um, more than likely, from my experience specializing in behavior modification for the last 14 years, more than likely, dogs who end up like this are dogs that can be shifted and modified to the most for the most part if they are are doing this behavior because the lack thereof X, Y, or Z, which is uh -huh. likely. And if you if you watch my videos like you have, You'll see that dogs will come in that will bite and and come at me and lunge and growl and nasty and show their teeth and when within forty minutes they're sleeping next to me and right. you know and so all of that, which is my experience, is typically from the lack of structure from their owners. A lot of dog owners don't start training their dog until there's a freaking problem, and so when they start seven months old intact, eight months old intact, big dogs, pushy dogs or not even intact, we get a seven, eight, nine, ten month old dog that was born with some sort of genetical fear, anxiety issue, just like humans get, right? These, these uh -huh. are genetics that can, that can just be wired into you without your permission. Uh, uh -huh. and, then, and then they don't get the structure and security they need. They get love, attention, and comfy beds and slippers to chew on, and then they turn into a nervous, fearful, anxiety-ridden, stressful mess 
because mm-hmm. the lack thereof. So it's kind of a bunch of combinations in between. But my job for the service that we're talking about right now, as far as consulting with my experience, is that the majority of dogs that are turning out this way are, are because of the lack thereof. So finding that trainer that can help you find, that's what I do. If you watch my videos, I say, let me see you work your dog. And within right. 30 seconds, ding, 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 ding. I'm, I'm rifling off all these things. I'm like, don't do this. Don't do that. Put your arm down. Breathe. Look straight. Stop talking to your dog. You know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the trainers that you're working with are skilled and equipped enough to help you realize some of the things that you're you're doing wrong. Okay. So again, then- like with this type of case, it... it <laughs> Like I said, judging by your feedback and your the conversation we've had, you're already looking for somebody to give him to to really start to fine tune, which is good. But I think that because you're already in that route, I would just kind of layer in some of these my opinions on some of these things. Okay, and and would you? I mean, because he seems to want to do bite work. Would you, I mean, that's where his, his line is pulling and, and bite work. Um, would you, would you do some, would that confuse him if you took him Would that? No. I mean, so, okay. Uh, confuse him. I don't think so. Uh, because what, what, so when you're, when you're working on like bite work stuff, it's a whole, it's nothing that I am. I mean, I've done it. My dogs will do it. I have I have a PSA group in my facility every week. I have canine officers in my facility every week. I've seen, I'm around it. I'm in it. I'm in it more than uh-huh. most, but people are really in it. So I, 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 it's not my thing. But I will say, when you're developing a dog for sport work, bite work, protection work, for outletting, for fun, for comp- competition, um, for work, whatever, it, it's it's really a game to the dog. It's not, it, it's a form of aggression for sure, but it, the dog isn't doing bite work because they necessarily are aggressive. They're outletting, it's kind of this weird thing. They're outletting aggression, but they're not doing it because they hate the guy. Your dog is not playing that game. Your dog is like, I'm going to take a piece out of this guy because mom doesn't know what she's doing or outletting this type of like aggressive behavior in a positive way that's why I said outletting with like a tug toy or with a ball. That would be great for just you guys. That would be uh-huh. fine. Um, it would take a very specific. I, I think you'd have to really work out the kinks of this defense aggression, this I'm coming after you type of aggression uh-huh. before you get into actual like bite work. But I just think the answer, the answer is yes. I think if you got a tug out and you're like, hey, buddy, and you started rewarding him with a tug, I think that that would really help him kind of get some of that grunt type uh, frustration out of him. So that would be helpful. Okay, yeah, because I, I um, when he was, before he had his surgery, we had a, um, a horse ball in the, uh, in the round pen. And he would absolutely attack that thing, go out. I mean, but he went into the red zone. Yeah. I mean, it, you couldn't take it away from him. You couldn't, I mean, he was just, and he would lay on it like, you know, don't come over here. He wouldn't like try to bite at you or anything like that. He just would try to move it away from you, like so mm-hmm. you couldn't get it away from him. And so we stopped doing that. Yeah. Um, but um, um, and then so uh, my female, um, 
and she's a lot smaller than him and she comes from a different um she's she's basically from the same line but she's been removed many many times for more of a pet um mm-hmm. i wish i wish i'd have gone to him first <laughs> um but anyway um uh but she got rolled in puppy class and now she's going after all, you know all, all dogs when we're on walks or even in the puppy class that i mean once the doodle rolled her i mean i had to keep picking her up she, she was just you know, don't come near me. Um, so is that basically still the same thing as far as, um, uh, and we did, we, we, uh, spayed her, um, because we couldn't, couldn't neuter him. So we spayed her just to make sure there wasn't any, any funny business. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, so what's the question you said she got rolled? What, yeah, she, she what got, did... she got rolled pretty hard in, in puppy class. What does that mean? Um, well, she, so I was taking her to a class um, where they were doing a puppy socialization. Yeah. So it was, she was actually um, 12 weeks. Yes. Um, and uh, so you do a little bit of training, um, you know, leave it, that kind of thing. Um, and then they let the puppies play. And then you do a little more training, and then they let the puppies play. And um, uh, so there was a, uh, a doodle. Mm-hmm. and come running over and, and knocked her over and then she was just on mm-hmm. and and no other dog could come near her i i almost i mean thank goodness it was towards the end of the class because you know i paid for her class and and we would have had to leave because she was she was just awful okay so what's so, the what's the question so now um except for the dogs that are in this house um She's worse than him as far as going after other dogs. Okay. So, but, yeah. so it's just basically the same, you know, I'm going to work on my, my tune-up stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Control. Yeah, I think. So these. Go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think it would be the same uh, what you're doing with with Capone. But the 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 beauty of of working with a hopefully skilled dog trainer um is like what I like to do is I'm going to if I'm working with one of your dogs all of the information that you're getting from this um teacher or trainer or whatever you want to call them it should be applicable to the other dog for sure. It's making like when I train, I basically the same stuff I give, like when I certify a dog trainer through the American Behavioral College, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of put the finishing touches, the polishing stuff at the end. I don't give my 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 customers or my private clients, whatever you want to call them, any different information. So when I'm working with you, I want you to be able to go out and train other dogs, which is why I think a lot of people become a dog trainer um, after uh-huh. they work with a dog trainer. It's because they're like, well... This is fun. So anyway, that's that would be my suggestion. If you're, my point is, is if you're going to invest all that money into another dog trainer to help you with Capone, I think all all of the information that they're going to be giving you and all the skills they're going to be showing you on the leash and how to use the, I mean, look at, hopefully, I mean, look at the way I train. I go everything. I go soup to nuts. I go, 
what equipment we're using and why, why it was originated, uh, every safety protocol, every, every reason why the mechanics of that tool may or may not work for you, and then how to introduce it and how to sustainably use it over time for all the behaviors that we're also working on. I mean, I go, I don't just say, give me the leash, watch what I can do. And so hopefully if you work with a trainer that can help you solve the issues you're having with Capone, it should be very transferable to your other dog. Cause it seems like they're dealing with similar issues, just in a different spectrum of Capone's you know, dealing with stranger danger. I don't know you. I'm going to go after you. And then your female is working on uh, dog reactivity. So yes, it's, it's a lot of the tune-ups. It's a lot of the impulse control. It's a lot of counter conditioning with obedience, leave it, um, enforcements. I mean, reinforcements, all that stuff. Okay. And then, and then, um, uh, so, um, I did get, I did get one of your, um, e-collars, mm-hmm. um, because uh, part of the training package that I just bought, um, uh, you do get a dog trail. I just don't know what what one it is. Um, yeah. And because I've watched so many of your, your videos, you know, I feel like um, I, I'm just a little scared to use it just because um, I'm afraid of the timing. Yeah. Um, and so I want somebody here to say, you know, now or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, do you find that the, the other one, I mean, if they bring me that little mini thing, I mean, I think that, you know, is that going to be enough? Or <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of the two things is you can always order yourself a sound box too. So if, if your trainer is using Dogtras, uh, they should have a Dogtra sound box, which will allow okay. you to understand what the timing is. So the uh-huh. sound box, like in my videos, you'll hear me tap the remote and right. the sound box will go off. So your timing is you you understand how to use it. Yeah. And when I transfer the remote over to my clients, I also know that they're doing it right. So there's that. If they don't have a sound box, you can get one off of Dogtra. But th- to answer your question about the smaller uh, remote collars, the, the e-collars are really, I always tell, especially for pet owners, when you're not dealing with track trackings and routes of like hunting dogs or bird dogs or whatever, Really, for pet owners, the biggest difference between all of the remote collars is the distance. There is some low to medium outputs and medium to highs, but for the most part, when you're working with pet dogs, it doesn't matter really what collar you get. Um, it's really about the distance that they go, except for my Tom Davis unit that we use that we did with Dogtra because there's functions on my collar that no other Dogtra collar has, like the boost feature and the continuous right. nick, and of course the the bungee that comes with it. So, um. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think you'd be a doctor is a doctor. I mean, some of them have more bells and whistles. Certainly mine has the most bells and whistles, in my opinion, as far as um, versatility for pet owners. So, right. Maybe, maybe request it. I mean, <laughs> it's like 240. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it's nice. Yeah, I keep trying to win one, too, just in case. But <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's nice. Uh, you know, it, yeah. I mean, we're, we're trying to give those. I'm pretty much giving two of them away a week on my YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's been a couple hundred people each video trying to win it. So hopefully one day you'll strike it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I've spent all this, I keep calling, I'm calling him the 10,000. He's already $10,000. So it's like, yeah, this is again, not what I, I could have had a horse. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, my horse isn't going to protect me on a trail either. So, yeah. you know, we have a lot of vagrants. I don't know how, how it is back where you are, but a lot of vagrants moving into the desert out here. And, you know, you try to go for a hike or anything like that. And especially 
you yeah. know, my husband works a lot, so I'm I'm by myself quite a bit, and and that was another reason for having sure. more of a protection dog. Um, sure. You know. Yeah, you're in uh, Arizona. Yeah, I'm I'm in Cave Creek. Okay. So uh, uh, North Scottsdale. Uh, yep. Yep. I love Scottsdale. Uh, yeah. Go there often. A lot of my like professional athlete clients are there in the off season, so I, I we go there quite a bit. It's very I like Scottsdale, but. Yeah. Good thing is, is this fall we're actually planning a tour and we're going to try to hit um, at least one city in Arizona while we're out there. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I don't have like Instagram. I, I'm i an all start, so I don't um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really uh, do all the you know different things. Um, and plus, I don't like that. Well, we won't get political. But anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you um if you go to like our web just in the future if if you're interested or it's something you wanted to follow along with uh, you just go to our website and sign up for our newsletter um all of our like seminars and new things are on there. Okay. So and, and, and you do that stuff too on the on the uh, the dog army. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay. honestly, that that's your bet. I mean, the No Bad Dog Club is your best. That's the tightest knit first response first get the news club that's where i devote like all of them because it's it's a community and we're like we're yeah. we're building it like a a brick and mortar community and so that's where i put a lot of that's where i put everything first so yeah if you wanted to sign up for that too you'd be updated on everything you get a lot of if you enjoy the videos you'll get a lot out of it just because it's all of the things that are in between that may because uh-huh. we can't put hour and a half some right. of the videos on there like the video we put out just this week was like two hours long. We can't put that on YouTube. Right. So anyway, yeah. but yeah, that's where all of the most frequent updates and all of the updates will be first anyway, for sure. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll keep a lookout and, um, cause, cause I would really love to, to, um, just even refresh or, or yeah. anything. Cause I'm assuming by, by then I, I should have something under control. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. We're, um, like I said, we are making, I'm pretty sure we're making a stop in, um, in Arizona, and the way that we're doing it is is basically when I go out on this tour, because um, we've tried so hard logistically of, of how we're going to do this, and I've been working on it for years, and the reality is is I just got to, like a musician, I just got to hit the road and go. So when we do this tour, we're basically putting it out on the public, and then people can sign up for private sessions when I'm in the city. So it's kind of, mm-hmm. it'll be really cool. So we'll have like probably three slots per city. Um, so if it's something that you are interested in, um, yeah, I mean, we, we could, we could, we could grind things out in person and go over some of this stuff. So yeah, if you're interested in that, when we're, when we're there this fall, would love, love that for sure. Okay. Well, great. I, I definitely, like I said, I definitely appreciate it. And thank you for putting all the videos out. Cause I'll tell you what, I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy yeah. for, for you. Well, and like I said, I mean, I just kept showing him to my husband, showing him to my husband, and he's just like, because he's tired. He comes home, he doesn't want to do it. Yesterday, I sure. told him, I, I told he goes, I don't feel like I'm in the right mind to deal with this. I'm like, tough shit. It's your dog too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you should you should uh, make sure he's consistent with what you're doing because there's no use of you spending all this money on training if if he's just gonna kind of wipe it clean. You know, it's it, it, one hand washes the other. You don't want that. Yeah, well, I think I think after we went to the trainer and he saw what he was capable of doing, yeah, he finally realized what we were dealing with because I had been the one taking him to the vet and doing mm. all the stuff and having to try to deal with all that. 
And uh, once he saw, when he saw him grab his leg, I I saw my husband's face. He just <laughs> was like, now he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right there. Now it's serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, okay. Well, um, uh, again, thank you very much. You're welcome. And um, uh, keep doing what you're doing, and um, and good luck to you, and hopefully we'll see you in Scottsdale. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you guys, we've reached the end dun, 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 of the podcast, which means uh, more dog information. So this is from Little, or I don't know, L-I-J-N-C Mom. <laughs> Sorry if I butchered that. Changed my mind about Prong's five-star review. Thank you so much for the review. Great podcast for anybody interested in learning about dog behavior training and dog ownership. I enjoy the conversations with clients and how to show topics too. Tom, you have a gift not only to communicate with dogs, but explaining things to humans as well. I am now a frequent listener and look forward to new episodes on this podcast. Combining listening to the podcast and watching your YouTube channel has changed my mind about the purpose and, and proper use of tools such as prong collars, e-collars, slip leads, Martin Gales collars, etc. That's great to hear. Thank you for the feedback. I have a question. My otherwise good, obedient, three-year-old female spade am staff can become reactive, barking, pulling crazy when I walk her with my son or foster dogs when we have them. She is being, quotes, protective when we walk together. That was a question. Like, I'm Ron Burgundy? Is she being protective when we walk together? It's the worst when we're trying to walk with a foster dog. If the foster dog starts barking and pulling on the double leash and being too puppyish, and will sometimes redirect onto the foster dog. She's correcting them or saying, hey, stop, question. Or when we walk, my son runs around and gets too far from us. How can I better my group walks? Okay, this is a great question. So basically her Amstaff dog uh, starts to get a little bit more reactive when there are foster dogs uh, in the works. And so what I would recommend is I think entering a new dog on like your walk with your dog is kind of like a conversation. It is, I I think going outside with your dog on a walk is, is the same as being in the living room with your dogs. I mean, their environment, yeah, you're outside. So in your head as a human outside is kind of like this, I don't know, this different world. And for dogs, it is too, to some degree, but it's also an environment that they need to also still be respectful in and so when you're when you get a um, foster dog out and they're out and they're not really in control and you're expecting your dog to be in control that's where frustration can happen it can kind of become this competitive game where they're constantly comparing each other who's in front who's not in front Um, so what I would do is it could be um, yeah I mean I guess if the question is is are they being protective yeah I mean you got to think the dog's point of view okay we got mom we got the son we got a new dog when we're out, it, it adds more vulnerability, more protective flares into the mix for sure. So you just have to do the best you can to control your particular dog. And maybe what you want to do is starting to light the load a little bit. So instead of going out with maybe you, your son, foster dog, and that dog, maybe you just want to say, okay, me and the dog, then me and the foster dog, and then me and the foster dog, and the kid and the other dog, and just kind of variance it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the answer to your question, it could be protective for sure. Um, but if you're walking with the foster dog and the foster dog starts to bark and pull, again, like those are things that are warranted for your other dog to start to become reactive to a fair degree. So I would double down on the, depending on how long you have the foster, I would be working on the foster's leash skills separately and then start combining them together. 
that's my suggestion for that um, to start really because if you, the foster dog's going out without any control or obedience or structure, the other dog is going to say, hey, we're starting to spiral out of control where normally we don't, which can cause concern. So I would just work on that. Uh, I hope that that helps. Thank you so much for the review. I appreciate you a lot. All right, fence fighting tips, Brooke DR. Maybe Brooke Doctor? Who knows? Hi, Tom. Thank you for all your work and commitment to the No Bad Dogs mantra. I have a two-year-old pity that struggles with dog reactivity, and your videos and podcasts also gives me the perspectives and techniques to try with her. I'm curious if you have any tips and ideas on how to combat fence fighting. As I said, she can be reactive, so I understand that until we can really make some headway with the mindset, these solutions won't be perfect. To provide context... Her reactivity is intense. She will beeline straight for the corner where she meets another dog and she will snap, growl, and essentially redline into a fight. Imagine if I read everything like this, guys. The only way to get her to stop is physically remove her from the situations. Makes sense. We are in the process of solidifying her recall, but if she does not recall on a leash with us, there's absolutely no recalling her once she sets off. She is able to be responsive on walks, but seeing other dogs as we practice leave it outside of the yard. She is starting to avoid the backyard at night. She is hesitant during the day. I'm not sure of exact cause of this, but possibly to avoid punishment from her fence fighting. But it makes me sad that she can't enjoy space that we specifically have just for her. At the moment, we have used a cover of the fence to make... uh, to make it more difficult for her to see the other dog through the fence, which makes sense. Short of getting a totally different fence, what games, techniques, or training opportunities might you recommend for this situation? Okay, so we have a dog that's beelining and fence fighting. So I think the first thing you should do, if possible, Brooke, I'm assuming, is talk to your neighbor. Say, hey, I'm really working on this. My dog is reactive. It's causing stress. I don't like it. Um, What can we do? Can we have a schedule? Can you work with your dog? Because it takes two to tango in this situation. I'm assuming that the other dog is also reacting. I'm not 100% sure. Um, But I think putting her on the leash and going over there and desensitizing her on the fence. And I do have podcasts on this particular situation. um, If you listen to all of them. (laughs) I don't know which ones they are. But when you're working on fence fighting and you're working on this type of behavior, the recall obviously is what you want, but it sounds like your dog is going out and saying, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. But it also sounds like your dog doesn't know how to make a good decision outside other than react. So what I would do is go out and start to mix, um, exercises about. So go out and start working on maybe, um, obedience or maybe working with a ball or maybe working with a tug or maybe working with, you know, any, anything that you can do to go out and try to reformat what the outside means. Go out with treats, go out with, um, high reward food, go out in the morning with your cup of kibble and work on this stuff. So instead of going out and saying, bad dog, bad dog, bad dog, mistake, 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 go out and counter it with tons of positive reinforcement to get your dog into a more groove of this is great. This is fun. Um, type of behavior than than the behaviors that they're doing right now Um, because I think that that's what's happening so instead of going out and being in fix-it mode go out proactively and work on a bunch of different positive reinforced things with just a leash and even if the and, and then I would say over time incrementally you'll be able to get closer and closer to the other dog and then start to start to teach the dog really that hey outside is a lot of fun if you work with me and you don't react to the neighbor's dog. So you have to just teach her what she should be doing versus the things that she's doing now. So I hope that that helps. It's a great question. 
Reactive Dog question, five-star review. Thank you so much, Mads, Aura, and Mav Dog. Hi, Tom. Love the podcast and your YouTube channel. I have a one-year-old pit mix rescue. He is highly reactive with every dog we walk by, lunging, barking towards the dog. I have been working with a local trainer who is advised on the use of the prong collar, but also urges us in the moments when he's reacting to poke hardly or kick the puppy in the side. This is not something I find humane and also would know your thoughts on it uh, during these moments. Okay, obviously I'm going to say that 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 isn't appropriate. I wouldn't kick the dog. I wouldn't kick any dog. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, I would agree. Go with your gut. Go with your stomach. Uh, if, if you feel like it's wrong, don't do it. And I would agree. Um, so you might want to just, you know, sometimes I say find a different trainer, but sometimes this is the only trainer in town. I would just express your, I couldn't imagine a, a dog owner saying I'm not comfortable with this and me saying it doesn't matter. I would never in a million bazillion years ever do that. I've never run into that issue really. I've run into people having questions about certain things or I've had people ask in curiosity of uh, some of the things that we have we're doing in the future and anyway i wouldn't uh, recommend doing that stuff i would um yeah this is tough so i would i would uh, obviously just try to find a different trainer first of all second of all i would tell the trainer that you're not comfortable kicking the dog because that doesn't make any sense to you and it could probably make a lot a lot of things worse what you really want to do is again if you're a fan of my youtube channel you've probably seen a lot of my reactive stuff so work on your counter conditioning with your 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 heels your your turns all of that stuff um, to counter these things don't go out look for a dog correct the dog that's not that's not the goal of using the prong collar. The goal of the prong collar is to give the dog information that is actually reinforced by pre-existing behaviors in the first place. So you're going out and you're saying heal, and then if the dog doesn't heal, you're using the prong collar to help communicate what you want the dog to do instead of just go out and say, hey, bad dog, bad dog, bad dog. So try to be more on the fence of, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Let's do this instead. Let's do this instead. Let's do this instead. So high rewards, positive reinforcement, all that stuff when you're out to counter. And the prong collar is just going to be a reinforcement behind your verbals as a safe tool to use instead of a harness or a flat collar or anything else like that. So you really have to really look at the big picture here. Um, again, I, I this may sound silly to, to you because you may have watched my videos, but I would go back and start working on some of the reactive dog videos. The other thing I would recommend... Um, honestly is to get into the members club if you if you like my videos and you're struggling with reactivity and you're struggling with kind of with the trainer that you're working on my members club gives you two hour videos instead of the 20 minute videos so if you're like yeah i'm finding information on my your youtube videos well every video that i put on the members club is at least an hour and sometimes two hours so i think you'll connect the dots on that that would be my other recommendation um but yeah i i that's my suggestion there uh, on that And uh, next week, we're going to get into Ahmad from Dubai, Danny9429, and Spotify is superior uh, questions. So make sure you guys leave a review, leave your questions. I'd be happy to answer them, even if you guys don't have any questions and you want to support the No Bed Dog Movement, because this is absolutely for free for you guys. Leave me a review. Let's get this No Bed Dog Movement continuing to take over in the dog world. Positivity, compassion, empathy, love, support, building each other up. That's what we're about. And I wish you guys the best week and the best weekend on this Wednesday. Have a wonderful, freaking safe week. Talk to you guys next time. Peace. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. 
so you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium Slub Crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.